Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a play. Sheik needs to be in perfect years. The Eagle has landed for the Premiers in 2018. G'day everyone, welcome to the West Coast Eagles Big Footy Podcast for another week. Coming up on this week's show, we'll recap a professional win over Carlton. We'll talk waffle, depth and injuries, plus preview this Sunday's clash with the Adelaide Crows. I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 and I am joined once again this week by Mr. KK. How are you? Pretty good. It's a derby day in my household this weekend, so looking forward to it. You've got the South Australian background there as well. Another good week to have you on. So that's that divides the house right down the middle, does it? Yeah, except she's pretty much given up on the season already. So <laughs> it's not it's no fun even taking the piss out of them anymore. Oh, well, uh, we will certainly get stuck into that Adelaide game a little later on. But also joining us this week to talk all things Eagles. Back on the show once again, Asterix the Gaul. How are you? Very well. Yourself? Very, very well. Another good win for the Eagles. A professional win, as I said up top. We'll dive into that and Waffle. I believe you got out to the Waffle game this week as well. Yeah, did got out and sat in the old, um, was it the, the stand up there? What is it? The little guy, the walker stand. And it felt like going back to the, you know, the, the 70s. It was great. Excellent. Well, we'll dive into that one a little later on as well. Last but not least, making the 2019 podcast debut. Uh, so this is a bloke that we've had on the pod before, but back in this new iteration of the 2019 podcast. So please welcome MK Maddie. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? Very well, as always. So, Maddie, as I said, you were on a couple of the pods back in the day when we used to do them, perhaps a little bit differently. Uh, we've tried to class it up and tidy it up a little bit this year. So, what are your thoughts on how that's going to all work for us this evening? Uh, yeah, well, well, we'll see how it goes, I suppose. Nervous times, exciting times. Let's get stuck into it. West Coast Eagles, 15 goals, 9-99, defeated Carlton, 11-9-75. This was the latest in what seems to be a never-ending series of danger games. So the Blues were in quite good form coming in. And the Eagles certainly didn't do it easy in the opening quarter. But then in those middle periods there, they really got the guns out and started firing them, all guns blazing. Bit of vintage Eagles performance. They kicked 12 goals to four in the middle stanza. And uh, the last term, a bit frustrating. Carlton chipped the lead back away a little bit and what could have been a massive win perhaps wasn't as inspiring as it could have been. But ultimately, the Eagles finished the round still sitting second on the ladder. KK, we'll start with you. What did you make of the game? Yeah, it was a very professional performance. As you said, it was, uh, it was a danger game. And it was a bit similar to the North game that once we sort of put the effort into to match the talent advantage we had over the ground, then I thought we looked comfortably the better side from quarter time onwards. Last quarter was a bit disappointing and percentages uh, may well be a key factor come the end of the season. But the most important thing is just that we're, we're winning games, um, we're not picking up any new injuries. And uh, I really sort of got the sense, uh, particularly in the, the second quarter onwards, that we're starting to tune up nicely for finals. We're getting some guys back from outside the team, so there's pressure on the spots. Everyone needs to perform. And... Yeah, just uh, just ticking the games off one by one, and I think we, we did that pretty well on the weekend. Asterix, we've seen a bit of a mixed response to this game on the board. Some people just happy to bank the four points. Uh, Carlton, obviously having won five of their seven games coming in, so was by no means as much of a gimme as the latter positions would suggest. Now, yet you've got other people on the board disappointed that we've perhaps left points and percentage on the board. So from where you were sitting, how did you come to terms with what happened on Sunday? Yeah, very happy just with the four points. Just, you know, there's, there's that part that says bank it. I was disappointed. I wasn't at the game. I was obviously watching on TV, so I didn't know who was letting Newman off the leash. Um, that first quarter, we obviously addressed it partway through, but there, that first quarter had some frustrations. The last quarter, yeah, it would have been nice to have had the, the percentage, but it was ping-pong stuff earlier in the game. It slowed down in the fourth quarter. Yes, there were some really good signs. Interestingly, when I was trying to do my top five, there are about 10 I could have given votes to. 
Um, and that's a pleasing thing that it wasn't just one big effort or, um, you know, when it was previous with uh, Kennedy against, um, who was that, against North, you know, he was way up there. I thought we had 10 really even performers in that space. Um, great, great to get the win. I would have liked an extra 10 to 15 points, but that's being picky. MK, like Asterix just pointed out, we had a very even spread of contributors, and that's a trait we've seen a lot lately, actually, dating back to that North game. Kennedy obviously was the standout, but we've had your Jackson Nelsons, your Tom Hickeys. We've had these guys step up. Anybody catch your eye on the weekend that really surprised you in terms of, you know, perhaps you weren't expecting a big game from them and they delivered? Probably actually Jackson Nelson, to be honest. Um, I haven't really been his biggest fan um, in the past, but it, it's good to see him sort of coming good on, I guess, what we expect of him. And he seems to have definitely settled into that back six as well. So I just think, because there, there was a period there going back a year or two where you'd think, oh, Jackson Nelson's in the side, sort of, you wouldn't really back him 100%. Um, I don't think that's the case anymore. So it'd definitely be Nelson for mine. But just to sort of echo what the other lads said before, um, I definitely think uh, the Carlton game had a lot of like an even spread of contributors and um, you could definitely tell they were blowing up the cobwebs and really showing some of that professionalism we, we came to expect in the back half of last season. So while we're talking about blowing out the cobwebs, let's have a little chat about Liam Ryan because this is a guy that's had perhaps a down or a lean couple of weeks. He's obviously shown that he's capable of some spectacular stuff. Uh, he's shown that he's capable of some hard running. And then on the weekend, he's put it all together. So having only kicked a goal per game, I say only, but he'd, he'd kicked a goal per game for the last three weeks, didn't kick a goal against Fremantle. He's really burst out with four goals on the weekend, KK, but that wasn't really the story of Liam Ryan's game. So what do we make of that and extrapolating going forward? Is, is this something we can really expect that maybe this is he's turned a corner and we can point to this game as, yep, this is when Liam Ryan became a consistent factor in this finals push? Oh, I think he's had a, a massive season, been pretty consistent all the way through. He, he seemed to have copped some knocks early in games recently that might sort of account for his dropping form, but he was absolutely sensational on the weekend. And the mark is probably the story of the game to go with the four goals. That was a incredible running back with the flight mark. And they even remarked in the, the commentary, you, you compare it back to the moment he had in the grand final, which um, says one he sort of wanted to have again. And I think it just shows that in so many areas, he he just learns from his mistakes and he's always improving. And um, just hats off to the guy from where he's he's come from, from when we drafted him, to the complete player he's become now. Um, just really wrapped for him. And, uh, yeah, just a, a great game. Uh, I thought our whole forward half, the forward line was great. The game, we really looked super quick. Our ball movement was slick and once we got any kind of um, dominance out of the midfield we were just absolutely carving them up and I know it's only Carlton but um, it's still good to see and it just breeds confidence and the, the interaction between the players as they play more together so we only was out, was out at the start of the season Cameron's only come in halfway through so they're still pretty raw in terms of a lot of those guys playing in combination so um, some really pleasing signs with the way we move the ball on the weekend. Look, while you're talking about the forward mix, Asterix, it's interesting. If you just go to the box score, you're looking at the stats, you'll see Kennedy kicked a goal, Cameron kicked a goal, Rioli kicked a goal, Waterman kicked two, uh, Petrocelli's gold, Allen's gold, Darling kicked two as well. So you might look at it and think, wow, that's a, that's a forward line that was really humming on the day. But perhaps for me, I, I didn't really feel that way. I think the work was getting done further afield and the forwards happened to be there finishing it off. But perhaps not as dominant a forward display as the stats might suggest. So what, what do you make of that forward mix now, given that we've seen Cameron perhaps come off the boil a little bit, maybe Petrocelli come off the boil a little bit in recent weeks? What, what's your take on that forward mix as it sits right now? Yeah, I'd actually challenge that they've come off the boil. I mean, they're at the 10 to 14 possession mark. And yeah, that's, that's standard for a good small forward. I think one of the things that I've seen is so pleasing is the tackling of Cameron. The running of um, the the running of both Rioli and Ryan, in their chase and and they're making space. I think there's some real great news the way they they've they've got the structure, and our forward line is working so much better. And it's interesting. I I I read the the criticisms for Waterman, 
but he makes Jack look better because of his running patterns and the role that he's playing as the high hit up half forward. So everyone's playing their role. I love the fact that we haven't got Marston or Hutchings or Sheed sitting on the half forward flank pretending to be a, a forward. Mm. Um, and, and if you go back, actually, the Venable selection, we selected him, and I was really peeved that we selected him because I saw no midfield whatsoever, and that was vacancy in our list. But he gave us pace because we were really one-paced at that stage. And you look at it now. We've got we've got fantastic explosive pace in our forward line, and it's not not necessarily the first ten meters. It's how you go about getting away and how you react and the the, the running angles you come from. I don't think Cameron's that super different in pace compared to Cripps, but he he gets into dangerous places quicker than Cripps because he reads it. So, I think our forward line as a group are working really really well. Um, I, I love the fact that it's seven forwards being picked each week. Perfect. Moving away from the forward line, MK, we had a battle that was really quite tantalising and, and pretty well hyped all throughout the week. Elliot Yo, Patrick Cripps, they're two of the, you know, your, your classic modern big inside midfielder. They can mark, they can tackle, they can get it done up forward. You could even probably throw them down back and get them to do a power of work. It was a great battle. For me, I think Elliot Yo took the points pretty comfortably. Uh, he's come away with 10 tackles, which is just exceptional work. He's working Cripps both ways. He's had 25 disposals. Uh, another terrific game from Elliot Yo in game 150. What did you make of that matchup there? Uh, yeah, it lived up to the expectations for mine. Um, Yo was fantastic again. Uh, something we could come to expect from the reigning John Warsaw medalists. Yeah, I just, what I took away from it is that, like, yeah, Yo just, I guess, he just looked a lot more damaging with the ball. Um, I honestly didn't see a lot of Crips, but that might have just been my take from it. Hey, just, just on Elliot Yeo, we've even got that plonker over in Melbourne, Gary Lyon, saying he's the best <laughs> player in the AFL. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like Jared, Jared Healy standing around saying, it's taking you this long to actually get on the Elliot Yeo bandwagon. Oh. So that's got to tell you he's really kicking some major goals. or He's really playing well if, if that plonker from Melbourne's saying it. Yeah, it's it's maybe in a uh, an overcorrection you might say from Lyon, who I think Jonathan Brown accused him of not even really knowing who Elliot Yo was a few weeks ago. But this is a guy that we've seen how damaging he can be, and we'll perhaps even get into it a little later on when we look at the Adelaide game. But he's had some quarters and some really clutch performances that have kept us in games or won us games. He leads the comp in tackles, so he's getting it done, you know, in both directions. And uh, yeah, super pleasing to have. And for a guy who's sitting there in his one fiftieth, what a way to celebrate it. Mm. Right, so we've talked in the last couple of weeks on the pod that at a game-to-game basis, we probably know who the Eagles are now. So in terms of getting down and breaking down all the X's and O's, what happened, what might have gone wrong perhaps, anything like that, maybe there's not as much value in that at this stage in the season. So let's broaden it out and talk long-term. KK, I'll start with you. Is there anything you saw in this game that has you pleased for long-term or concerned for the long-term? Is there anything where you might point to later on in the season and say, oh, yeah, we noticed that in the Carlton game as well? I think probably the most pleasing thing is um, I'd struggle to find anyone to take it out of the team when we've got uh, clear best 22 players available again. Someone's going to be very unlucky to miss out, and that's a great position to be in. It's really the mark of a premiership-caliber team is that you've got guys who should be getting a game, but you just can't fit more than 22 players in. I think in particular areas, I think having Schofield in the team, um, and I haven't been his biggest fan at the start of the year, but he, he's done a really good job. Um, McKay won a few contests against him on the weekend, but wasn't too damaging. But the the, the impact it makes on the rest of the back line of um, freeing up Barras and McGovern to be as damaging as they are, so you really kind of have to look at the whole picture you get with having Schofield in there. So I think that's a really, a really pleasing thing. And then at the other end, uh, with, with Cripps to come back in, um, out of Petricelli or, or Cameron, I'd be perfectly happy with uh, either of them in the team, even or Waterman as well. It's, uh, we just seem to don't not really have any glaring gaps at the moment. And I think the other probably pleasing thing is there was never really a question about the the heart and the desire in the team, for my mind anyway, in terms of coming off a premiership, where they did they have the desire to go back to back. I always felt they were just moving along, managing and preparing to take on now. And I think we start to see those signs that, that guys like Yo and Shui are really just going out there wanting to dominate games. So we're, we're in a, a great 
place mentally and in terms of availability for this stage of the season. MK, what about yourself? Any long-term takeaways that you think we can extrapolate or extract from this Carlton game? Um, I've really got to go with KK here and say there's nothing really that gives me cause for concern going forward into the future. Um, I think our midfield mix is is up there with the best teams in the comp, um, and that's long been our, our heel, I guess. Um, and obviously we know what our forwards and our backs can do. And we've also got those younger younger forwards coming through, Alan, uh, Rioli, the like as well. So I think going forward, we've really got got the spine sorted for some long-term success there. And asterisks for yourself, anything that you want to look back on and point to the Carlton game and say, I noticed it then and we've been noticing it now. You know, what, what do you think the biggest takeaway from this game is going to be? I think they're knowing to play their roles. That's the key thing for me. They're comfortable in the roles they're playing, very, very clear. Um, you look at the... Even when Rotham came in or when Frankie Watson came in, they just played their role, and that's the good news. So I'm comfortable we're in a good place. We just settle down. If we get Nicknack back, great. Um, but Hickey, oh, I mean, he was today on the AFL.com. He was in the the top 10 steel picks or whatever it was, trades in in the last, um, last November. Um, I, that's the part, the balance. The, the style of football we're playing, uh, it's good. I think that's a fantastic point about Hickey. Like, we'd all love to have Nick Nat back, and it's all a bit up in the air as to if and when he'll be available. But if we have to go into a final series with the ruck stocks we've got at the moment, um, okay, bring it on. We've we've just run Hickey and Allen against Gorn and Proust uh, for Melbourne and then against Goldstein for the North and haven't really suffered at all. That's a very um, that gives great comfort if Nat Nui's not available. Yeah, while we're on Tom Hickey, just the first time I saw him play for the Eagles was that Geelong preseason game at Leadville Oval, and I think I commented in the thread that you know he looked all right, he looked fine for what you'd expect a, a late trade pick to be, um, but really slow, didn't move around the ground, and I was saying you know you're probably not going to expect him to break any land speed records or anything like that this year. Far out. When the ball is on the floor, Tom Hickey can play. He's led us in clearances with seven. Now, I don't know what his clearance numbers on the year look like in terms of where they sit in the team, but the guy can just... He's taking all sorts of advantages of these new ruck rules, and I think it was probably two or three of the first four centre bounces was Tom Hickey influenced the clearance. So, uh, yeah, he might not necessarily be killing the tap work, but he and Alan doing their job nicely when the ball's in the air. When the ball's on the floor, I mean, is it a stretch to say that probably Grundy aside, is there a, a ruck division you'd prefer on the floor? The way that Hickey reads it to pull it out of the air, the way that Allen is just a bull, he'll kill himself to get the ball, you know, if it comes off hands and hits the deck. You know, Asterix, is there any ruck division that you want more than ours if there was a loose ball sitting there in the centre? Oh, that's a tough one. Probably not. Um, and again, Hickey, all, all credit to him. He's, he's stepped up. A little bit beyond my expectations. I thought St Kilda were crazy to let him go at uh, the price they did. So I was happy with it. And when you look at where St Kilda are and where we are, what did we give a, a third and got their fourth back? Something like that. It's, it's, it's brilliant. Um, but, yeah, look, it's not just on the floor. He actually, he actually gets about two or three clear kicks into our forward line from centre square restarts. Each week he does that one, and it's like, oh, that's brilliant. I mean, you, you're expecting Yo and Shuey to kick it down like that, but he's doing it. Or he's also getting some hand passes out to have that linked to someone else. So, yeah, I just think it's fantastic. Really, really, really pleasing. Do you want anyone else? Ah. I mean, if Nick Nat comes back, do you drop Allen or do you drop Hickey? That's a really hard question. I'd probably drop Allen, um, just on this, the, the, the point that Nick Nat, can he really ruck that much longer? And it's probably a stretch for Alan if um, if he has to do half the rucking. That's all Nick Nack's going to be able to do when he comes back, if he comes back this year. Tom Hickey currently 11th in the competition amongst ruckmen for inside 50s. He's put it inside 50 33 times. Uh, Grundy, 39. Riley O'Brien, who we play this week, 38. So there's some really solid ruckmen. Stefan Martin, 41. Uh, Gorn is obviously the big outlier with 60. But in terms of the finalists, the teams we're going to, the ruck divisions we're going to face, Tom Hickey is right up there.
While we're talking about the Ruck Division, let's move into the injuries for the week. Now, we've had the injury report yesterday, Tuesday afternoon. The big story that we were all waiting on, and we will be waiting on until finals, is obviously Nick Natanui. So let's start there. He's listed it as indefinite with the ankle injury, but he has returned to running and kicking. Uh, now, MK, we've spoken on the pod in last couple of last couple of weeks that how would we navigate the Nick Nat return situation? So if if it were for you, uh, MK, Maddie, what are you thinking that we'd do with Nick Nat? Let's say he were only available from our first final. Do you, do you bring him straight in? That's a tough call. It's a tough call, and I'm glad I don't have to make it. But I think just the calibre of player he is and just how much he affects, I guess, the team morale around him, you would have to play him. Asterix, your thoughts on that? We have talked about how everybody walks taller and gets a bit of a boost just by his sheer presence. I don't know what you're talking about, it being a tough call. Straight back in. Perfect. And KK, I think we talked about this last week as well. Uh, last couple of weeks, in fact, you know, Nick Natanui, he's got to come back in, even if it is a final, correct? Absolutely, he has to come back in. Yeah, the, the trickier decision is who comes out, <laughs> as opposed to whether Nick that plays or not. I'd probably favour Waterman at the moment. I'd, I'd disagree with Asterix on that. Though You could convince me otherwise. I just think Alan's too talented and too versatile. He's the kind of guy that will make things happen and will be there in a big moment in the final. Yeah, you know the good thing is, I don't. I, I, we're having this conversation. They're really hard players to be dropping, as against. Oh, thank goodness we can finally get stronger. You're turning around and saying, "Who do you let go?" Boy, that's a tough call, and that's the place. Absolutely. Part. Well, I mean, before this discussion, I suppose, can really come to a head, we do need to get him back out on the field. But thankfully, he has started returning to practice, and definitely something to monitor. I'm sure there will be no shortage of. You know, news snippets and articles that say not really that much and updates here and updates there. So definitely the Nick Nat one uh, to keep an eye on. Another couple of big stories from the injury report over the last few weeks. Jamie Cripps is listed as a test. Uh, now, for me, I think there's been a bit of back and forward on the board as well about whether he's come straight back in. So perhaps we'll save that one for the changes a little later on. Uh, Hutchings is not listed, which is great news. He was obviously an emergency. He played some waffle, which we'll get into in just a second. But out of the waffle, unfortunately, another few injuries this week. Jared Brander looks to be done for the season. He's listed as indefinite. And given where the Beagles are, I don't think they'll be playing a deep finals run to give him much of an opportunity to return. So a bad hamstring for Jared Brander, unfortunately. Now, Liam Duggan also re-injured the ankle. He is listed as TBC. Uh, So it's starting to get a little bit doubtful on that one. Now, Asterix... Before we dive into all the waffle stuff, just a quick word from you on this one. There were fears at the time. People didn't know if it was like a knee or a cork or the ankle. It seemed to be quite bad from some of the hyperbole you were seeing going around. So what did you make of the incident as it happened? I was in the stand, saw it very, very clearly. And I, you know, when he was down, it was like it could be anything. But he limped off on his, under his own steam quite well, and it wasn't looking like it was the knee. And that was my biggest, oh, thank goodness for that. I wasn't sure whether it was muscular or whether it was uh, the tendon ligament in the, in the, in the, in the ankle because um, I thought it was like a really hard crunch. I think I'm hearing it is a, a, the lower leg and the ankle. I don't know. He, he, he came out after quarter time and did a warm-up. And I was, I was thinking they would probably be trying to test it and see whether he could come back out. But uh, after that test... He was done. He didn't look that bad as he was running, mate. So I don't know. That's to be confirmed. I think we should be not expecting him back in. That's probably it. Maybe I'm being pessimistic, but the reality is you've got Tom Cole still playing all right. He's not playing great, but uh, Nelson's come in and playing very, very well. Obviously, I think we're better with Duggan in the team, but you know Frankie's still quite good. Although I got to say. He was a little bit wayward with his kicking into the forward line on Saturday. But anyway, that's the, the Duggan one. He, it, yeah, get worried where it's probably what? He, he's been out for four weeks now, is it, or three? Three or four? He has another two weeks out. That's then getting to six or seven weeks. You don't want that going into finals. Not with, the, not with him. No, probably the sort of guy that you need a little bit of match fitness into as well. Hasn't played since round 16. So, yeah, you're looking at really starting to stretch out to a couple of months without any significant amount of footy. Uh, Just to close out the injury report, we had Luke Foley, one to two weeks with a calf. Uh, Brody Reak has a stress fracture. So yet another stress fracture. I'll be interested to see 
how much is made of that, just given, unfortunately, the reality of it, where he sits on the list, but just another one to throw onto the pile for a stress fracture. Josh Smith, four weeks with the hamstring, and word from Keyes at uh, doing a little bit of training watching is that he's really running hard, so perhaps he's pushing to move that time frame up, but be interested to see what happens with Josh Smith. Uh, and of course, last but certainly not least, Dan Venables, who had the line ruled through him a little while ago with the concussion. And uh, perhaps some talk that maybe he's even over in Victoria and might be spending some time over there just while he recovers and hopefully gets back to his best very shortly. Okay, let's move into the waffle. And it was a frustrating day because last time on the pod, Miguel Sanchez said that we could put 22 members of Big Footy out against Swan Districts and still probably win. Scoreline on the day, Beagles 12-4-76, defeated by Swan Districts 12-8-80. So Asterix, it looks to me, just following along, that you know they jumped out to a big lead, Swan Districts did. The Beagles pegged it back and then a bit of a heartbreaking late goal. Uh, so from where you were sitting, you obviously got to see the whole game. Tell us who stood out and does anybody from you look like they're really putting their hand up to play finals or to crack into this team? So I didn't see the whole game. I missed the last quarter in a bit, but I saw most of it. Uh, as a long-suffering Claremont supporter, I've gone to enough Swan Districts games and have seen my team beaten up because they're just stronger, tougher and harder at it. And I saw the, the Beagles out there and I thought, oh, shit, it's exactly the same as when, when Claremont used to turn up against them. Um, but they actually looked pretty good. They did not look like a bottom-of-the-table waffle team. What worried me is we had Vardy rucking. We had... Pretty much a the next level or the the next depth level of our midfield in Hutchings, Ainsworth, um, Archie, and alike. We we had a we had a pretty good um what's his name Matty Allen. We had a we had a very good inside team for the clearances and and they weren't getting the job done. It, it, I don't think it was intent. I think part of it was that and I made a comment to to my wife at the time. I think these pricks are looking to play for their own glory and not for the team. So unlike the Eagles against Carlton, I didn't feel as if they knew the roles that they were playing anywhere near as well as they should have done, which made us look slower, weaker, softer. Simple as. Um, and, and I don't know, Frankie did very well in the two games he played, but he butchered the ball into the forward line. I would not have wanted to have been centre-half forward waiting for the crap coming through from, from him. He, and it was like, oh, come on. He did, he did his stuff of 18 months ago of making a great break and then making a bad decision, kicking it to, to, to someone else. Um, who stood out? I, Rotham, week in, week out, continues to stand out as, as, a, as a good player. Um, he, he, he was one of the few that really held his own and looked like he, he knew what he was doing. And I think Hutchings, look, he, he he started to get some form in the second half, um, but he looked pretty pretty out of touch, and he he was lacking that pace of the waffle game even. And I'm thinking, boy, if that's the case at waffle, he's going to be struggling at the at the AFL level. Um, but not not a great collective effort to give anyone a lot of a lot of glory actually. So I came away. Having seen the the Claremont women get beaten up by the Swans women, and then West Coast getting beaten up, and I thought, oh, great, great trip out to Bassendine yet again. <laughs> um, MK, I'm not sure how avid of a waffle watcher you are or not. Not meaning to put you on the spot, but uh, given what Asterix has just said, and and a consistent trend has been that we have worried about that midfield depth. Looking at guys like Matt Allen, Hamish Brayshaw, you know Archie Ainsworth. Is there anybody there that you can see actually sticking around long-term and making an impact in the side as it's currently constructed? Okay, so to answer your first point, no. I am not an avid waffle watcher. Um, to answer your second point, um, also not really. But it also just depends on, on selection. I, from what I understand, Matty Allen's been, been up there for a while, making his case. Um, but he's yet to have a senior call-up. So for me, it just really depends on if, I guess, with our midfield mix now, um, the guys at Waffle level really have to stand out to to even be in consideration for selection. 
So short answer, no, to both questions. <laughs> so Asterix, just before we close the book on the waffle, let's talk Matt Allen for a moment because he's a popular name on Big Footy. He's obviously stuck around like uh, Matty just mentioned there. He's now gone the longest of any eagle in club history on the list without making a debut. So he's still sticking around and at a, at a box score level, purely looking at the disposal counts and the goals, all this sort of stuff, he seems to be at least the, you know, it might be damning him with faint praise, but the standout of this poor crop of Beagles mids. Now for you getting down and avidly watching the games, what do you see out of him? And do you think there's another chance for him to go around and actually crack a debut at any point with this team? No, let me elaborate. Uh, I wanted him earlier in the season. I think it was the, the Claremont Eagles game I went to and I thought, yeah, he deserves a go. And this is, you know, I thought he had built some momentum about, about eight rounds ago. Um, I looked at it a bit harder on on Saturday. I think he's too slow by hand and too slow in decision-making and doesn't quite get to the right areas. He's too recent having moved to the midfield. It's not natural enough. So I think he's a very good waffle player, a little bit along the line of college. Um, I think it's been too little too late for him to go to the midfield. And, yeah, we, we haven't tested him in games we could have. Uh, I, don't, I don't see him being on our list at the end of the year. But there is one slight, skinny X, actually. I think he has some football smarts that um, I'm quite happy with. Uh, he's, he's still very light, obviously, and I see him as probably a uh, lot more outside than I would see him on as an inside player. But I think out of all of that crop, Brayshaw, Ainsworth, which I, the, if the prick can't change his ball drop, and he's still got it wrong. He's still doing the sideways ball drop and then miss kicks it. Um, if he can't get that right, he's, he, he's, he's just got to get rid of him. But I think Skinny X, yeah, he's about the only one I, I'm looking forward to seeing develop, which is negative, I know, but you've got to call it how you see it. Okay, let's move on to the main event of the week, and it's yet another crucial game. I'm not going to coin this one a danger game. I just think it is two good sides playing against each other. We'll see what happens. So round 21, the Eagles play Adelaide at Optus Stadium. It's this Sunday, 20 past 3 p.m. in WA. Now, KK, when the Eagles and Crows did battle last time, I believe you were there. It was a pretty triumphant come-from-behind victory. We saw one of the more trademark second quarter fade outs that we've seen from the Eagles this year. And then we also saw what has now become a trademark Shuey and Yo fourth quarter explosion. So knowing that, knowing that these sides have pretty evenly matched when they met up before, what do you expect to see this weekend? I think we've been trending in opposite directions since then. Um, the Crows sort of, I think they've got quite a few problems going on um, on the field and off the field down there. And I get the impression that they're, very much going through the motions and ending the season might actually be a, be a welcome relief for them. Um, that might be a bit dramatic, but I just think the way we're going and the way they are, that we're going to have far too much for them on the day. And I think we're going to have far a far greater desire as well. And I think when you combine that with, I think, the talent gap, we certainly have a lot more pace than they do. That's That's one thing that they've... They've lacked. I think someone posted on our board after their the Crows Essendon game that their last two seasons reminded them of our 2016-2017. I reckon that's bang on the money. They've got flogged in the grand final, maybe thought they were right in the window a bit closer than they actually were and, and stuck fat with um, some players and some, some structures beyond their, their sell-by date and, and are now suffering for it. So... Um, yeah, a bit, bit down on the crows. I, I think think we're going to do this one quite comfortably on the weekend. Can I just, before we dive into the game, can I just ask you as somebody in South Australia who obviously get the local media and, I mean, the crows and the power don't really get much of a look in in the national media, uh, but they've currently got two sides that are really should be going at each other for, the, for that last eighth spot. So it could be quite an intense rivalry, quite an intense chase. But both clubs seem to be languishing. You, you mentioned there's some off-field rumours and troubles, whatever you want to call it. Port, uh, the, the Port Board, I think you mentioned at one point, are accusing the Adelaide-controlled media of not putting enough pressure on Hinkley to sack him. So it's obviously not a very happy football state at the minute. What's the general vibe in the media? Are they putting these clubs to the skewer or are they just sort of waiting to see how it plays out? Uh, I think, well, the, 
it's very much a crow's media. They they're very reluctant to put the, the crows to the sword, um, even though it'd probably be to the, to the club's benefit to have a bit more heat turned on them. And it is a bit weird. I think both clubs think, or both supporter bases think they should be doing better. I think um, much like we were in 2016, 2017, it's like, hey, we just played in the grand final. Why are we losing by nine goals in the elimination final to the Bulldogs the year after? And Porter goes back even more. They were kick away from the grand final in 2014 and coming up, this will probably be the fifth year in a row without a finals win, coming off the back of that with the same coach in charge. So, yeah, there's a fair bit of disillusionment. I think both, both supporter bases think if they make finals, it's going to be a one-week one week event, and, and they both like some serious changes. The, the, the Crozans want a number of their players turned over. Um, Port, it's more about they're happy with the players, and I think certainly last year's draft, they smashed it. Dersma, Rosie and Butters, I think, all shown a lot in their first year, so they'd be pretty happy with that. But I think they just want to get rid of Ken Hinckley and have a a new voice, someone who can actually get the best out of out of their players. So it's a funny old situation over here, but we can take advantage of that. Yeah, exactly. Just quickly, if we're talking player turnover from South Australia, Hugh Greenwood, get uh, get my number, mate, or I'll get yours. I'll give you a ring. I'll make the pitch. You got to come over. It's going to be great here. That would be a great solve to a little bit of midfield depth. All right, moving on to the actual game. Uh, we'll preview this week's game. Asterisk. I know last week you mentioned that I think Adelaide have gone quite a bit smaller in their forward line. I think I read something about that on the board from you. So obviously they've dropped Jenkins. They've finally had a win last week, but they've only won two of their last six. So what do you make of their new forward mix and how do you think it matches up with what is now a very tall Eagles back six? Yeah, I think the point with Adelaide, they're they're not knowing the roles that they've got to play or they're not executing the roles as well as they should be. And uh, this is the frustration where Betts and Gibbs and and Jenkins are getting dropped. And, you know, they get dropped and there was one week they didn't actually play. They had a buy and then he gets bought back. And it's like, well, what did you drop him for? To learn something in the waffle or just teach him a lesson? So I, I find, look, I can go with the point that McGovern actually, where he can, while he can play tall, he's much more uh, beneficial for us when he gets someone like, um, who did he have, Fisher for a while on him or something, you know, when he gets a, a plotter um, trying to keep him distracted and keep him accountable. Darcy Fogarty, he's, he's not offering anything of real significance. Uh, Guacamole Tex is not offering, you know, he's, he's been up and down, but he, he might be on a, a revenge that he's got to make good for shirking the, the, the tackle or the bump against um, Hearn. But I'm not seeing fluidity in their, in their forward line. I'm seeing a one-paced midfield with the two Crouch boys and Gibbs. And that, that's, the, that's the criticism we had in 2016 where we, we were just slow. So, yeah, I, I'm not seeing this as a particularly worrisome game. Um, so long as we don't get ahead of ourselves and we just do what we need to, I think this is a, this is this is something that says we know what to do. I think Schofield can play small as well. So you've got it's not as if you're up against really pacey forwards that they've got four or five tricky Eddie Betzers around there. Darcy Fogarty, he's he's not done much all year, either at Sample or at um, or at the AFL level. I think this last week was the first game for a long time, and Tex number of people have commented that although he's built like a big big uh, gorilla, he actually is a soft-centred um, high half forward that, that's not that good overhead and doesn't split packs. So I'm okay with our back line. I could handle Rotham coming in. I could handle Frankie coming in. I could handle Unchanged. Pretty decisive stuff. Uh, MK from the midfield matchup. Asterix just mentioned there, Adelaide have a lot of the same sort of in and under one speed sort of guys, whereas the Eagles midfield mix of late, we've started seeing Willie get involved in the middle. We've started seeing Ryan work his way up the field. Sheed's having his best season for his career. You know, we're seeing a few different contributors coming through this season. Is there any areas of concern for you as we match up against this midfield or, you know, what are you expecting to see this Sunday? I'm expecting to see us cut them up into pieces, to be honest. Very much echoing the statements of of uh, Asterix and, and KK. Um, Adelaide of 2019 really does seem like the West Coast of 2016-17. Um, I think they're, they're a team full of, you know, mature, older older players that should really know better by now in terms of game plan, 
style and what what what's expected of them. Um, they've got a very one-paced midfield and just a forward line and a back line that's not really getting it done week in, week out. So I think on every line, we are the, we are the better team. Arrogant, I know, but I'm, I'm really expecting the likes of Yo, you know, Rioli, Ryan, these sorts of guys. Um, our pace in the middle and up forwards going to cut ribbons through them. I'm loving the confidence from everybody on the pod. I really hope that this doesn't find its way into the Adelaide, you know. Don't, don't, start, don't start that shit there. That, that's just not on. We don't want to hear that. Oh, far out. The Adelaide board would have a field day with this, actually. I don't know. You know what? To be fair to the Adelaide board, I've got a little bit of uh, simpatico with them. I think, I think the Eagles and Adelaide have a bit of a brotherhood, a bit of an understanding, the dominant team in the city, and we both obviously control the media, and we both have that little brother port side that... We like to push around, so no, no, you know, animosity towards Adelaide. But uh, boy, judging off the comments here, I think it seems like we might absolutely batter them this week. Um, KK, let's just move into the changes now before we discuss any other potential matchups. So we've seen, we've all been talking about how many great and even contributors we we've had, how difficult it will be to force the way into the side. But we've got Cripps coming back. We've got Hutchings, who's returned to the waffle. Whether he comes straight back in or not is up to you. So, you know, let's hear it. Who do you think's going to come in this week? I think if Cripps passes his fitness test, and I'm not convinced that he will, that he comes straight back in if available. I think it's out of Petricelli and Cameron who goes out. Um, and you could really flip a coin between them. I think they, they both they, they both offer slightly different skill sets, but both offer something valuable. I I think my gut feel would, would I'd stick with Cameron. I just think um, just because he's more of a natural footballer, and I'm also looking ahead to if the grand final was next week. What's our best 22 from available players? And I've got Cameron ahead of Petricelli. I think he's a, just seems the kind of kid that will will rise to the occasion. I'm picking She to be our mystery not injured on Tuesday but out of the side on Thursday. He, that was one of the negatives we probably didn't talk about, that he had a pretty ordinary game on the weekend to the extent that a lot of people were suggesting he wasn't fit. He, um, he wasn't. Maybe it's not the worst thing. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> um, maybe it's not the worst thing to take him out this week. And it's, it's Matty Allen now or never, um, though I do think that probably won't happen. And... I wouldn't mind seeing Archie come in again, actually, to be honest. Not from Saturday, you wouldn't. He's back to his one, <laughs> one effort only. He, that's the downside on him. He, yeah. he, he goes for his one, one effort at the contest, and he doesn't follow up with his second, third, and fourth contest. That, that's what I picked again on, on the weekend. I think that's what's holding him back. He was absolutely desperate to take mark of the year when he played against Free. I'll say that. So he, he certainly puts everything he's got into that first effort. You couldn't deny that. No, it's, it's, it's not his first effort that I'm worried about. <laughs> it's the second effort. He just, he just doesn't turn up for that second effort. And that's against the mantra of how the guys are going at the moment. Yeah, take, taken on board. So maybe it is Hutchings if, if, if she misses. Um, I wouldn't be making any other changes. I think the, I think the back seven looked great on the weekend. They you know, worked really well together. Um, individually, they all sort of offer something slightly different, and um, and there's some flexibility there as well. So yeah, I don't see a need to make a change there. So for me, it's just Cripps in if fit, Petricelli out, and then if she doesn't get up, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll back it, Archie. I like it. Taking I take the comments on board from someone who's seen him a lot more than I have. No. Blind faith and blind optimism is what signing up to Big Footy is all about. You know, everybody who's in the seconds is always better than everybody who's in the first. So let's bring him in. Why bloody not? Uh, MK, I'll throw to you your changes for this week. Uh, changes for this week. Um, obviously, yeah, if, if she's going to be rested, obviously he comes out. It's a question of who comes in, really, that I'm not 100% sure on. Um, and just on, on Petch or, or Cameron... Um, I'd probably rest Cameron, to be honest. Um, he did look a bit tired in the, in the Carlton game. So, and I, I do think Petch just being being obviously sonic in our, in our forward line. I don't know. This is something about him that I would want to keep him in over, over Cameron. Um, other than that, no changes, though. So for me, I am a little bit concerned about their rebound off the halfback, and I think the Hutchings tagging from half-forward spot was something that we had some success with before his injury. Uh, he tagged Saad very well. He was tagging Impey really well in the game that he got hurt. 
So whilst he's not a natural forward, and perhaps that is a step back in in our role driven, you know, playing seven forwards like Asterix talked about at the top. Yeah, I'd be happy to back in Hutchings and, and stick him on somebody like Laird, who's coming off a really hot game on the weekend. Now that's probably at the expense of, yep, as we've highlighted, one of Cameron or Petricelli. For me, I think Petch probably had the better game on the weekend. I could go, you know, either way on who gets dropped there, but I'll say Hutchings for Cameron, and if fit, I'll say Cripps for Waterman. Uh, I think Waterman's sort of, he's had a pretty good stretch. Without imposing himself, he's probably still ticking boxes from the coach's point of view, but with the the power of running that Cripps can do, and I think he's really earned that automatic inclusion uh, role this year, I think he's having his best year of his career. So I'll bring in Cripps for Waterman and Hutchings for Cameron for me. Asterix, your thoughts on the changes this week? Yeah, my comment about um, Sheed is I thought he was injured last week. He had that big elephant modest on his on his thigh. Um, so something wasn't right with, with his leg there. He plotted through the game, and I don't think he looked any worse at the end than he was at the beginning, so I'm going to assume that he's going to get up. I Cripps, yeah, look, I get the point. If we get two games or three games into Cripps before the final, it's better than one or two games, so I can understand that. I wouldn't be... I'm not fussed whether it's Cameron, Waterman, or Petricelli for Cripps. I think Cripps can play either of the, any of those three three roles. Probably Waterman would be my least favourite, given how much he makes Jack look better when he's in the team. So, and I th- probably need to go back to the footage. Who let Newman off the leash? And the coaches will know that. I don't know who wasn't running after him in that first quarter, but whoever let Newman, whoever was meant to be picking up Newman and didn't pick him up, probably deserves to go. And I'll probably find out it was Ryan, and I gave him top votes. And yes, yeah, so, so I don't know. <laughs> um, as far as Hutchings. Um, I'd back in Jackson Nelson to do more of the tagging. I think just I, – I don't think they've got a player we really want to tag um, other than you, you said the, the Rory Laird, but you just give the Waterman or Cripps, whoever it is, you give that task to say you have to be accountable and really pick and run hard with them. And if you're comfortable that they can do it, I'd, I'd happy to leave Hutchings out because I think um, Hutchings, boy, he just keeps improving each year. He's, he'll come in and play whatever role we want him to play. Um, and that's not what I said when the couple of years after we drafted him, I wasn't that happy. Um, so I don't think it's going to matter as much with Hutchings, whether we play him this week or we play him in one or two weeks' time when we think we might need him. I'd be happy enough going in unchanged, actually. So it's an interesting one. So let's whether it's Hutchings or whether it's not, KK, I'll start with you on this one. Is there somebody you would like to tag? It could be Nelson in the middle. It could be, yeah, maybe a Cripps or, or whoever. I don't know. It could be Petricelli. They could throw an interesting role at him. But anyone, if, is there somebody on the Crows that you would like us to put time into stopping particularly? Uh, I think probably the most dangerous player of the season for them has been Brody Smith. So if, if, they, if we were going to stop one person, it's, it's probably him. But I, I, I just don't really know if that's... That's necessary, I think, with the midfield um, midfield mix we've got and against their lot, I reckon we'll probably get enough domination that we don't need to really go um, hard tag on anyone. So oh, I'm not seeing a, a specific matchup for Hutchings this week that warrants to bring him in just for that role. Um, if he does, if she misses any comes in, fine, as Asterix said, he'll, he'll do whatever role we ask for him. And if he's just an extra midfielder, then... He'll do that to a reasonable standard as well. But I, I know I'm sounding arrogant, but I'm really not that concerned about anyone on the Crows' side this weekend. Laird had a good game last week, but he's been down for most of the year. That's almost uh, the anomaly this season. All right, so let's let's talk arrogance and let's talk predictions. Very vocal confidence on the podcast this week. So MK Maddie, we'll start with you. Who do you think is going to win? I think I know where that one's going. How much do you think they're going to win by? And which eagle is going to be the best afield? Okay, so I would say, surprise, surprise, West Coast to win. Um, I'd say the margin would be, let's be arrogant, let's say 37 points. Best afield will be Angry Yo. Asterix, your thoughts? I reckon we'll win by 28 and I think just purely because he gets it done so often, I think Shepard will be our best of field, rebounding off the half-back and setting up. We're going to have too many goals for it to be too clear um, which of our, our forwards you want best on ground. KK, your thoughts on how this weekend's going to play out? I'm going all in. 
52 points. I think we're going to beat the doors off him this week. And uh, Shuey seems to have a, a hard-on for the Adelaide club, so I'll pick him to be our, our best on ground and just give us the drive out of the midfield from the first bounce. Excellent. Uh, I am going to say we will win. I will say we will win by 33 points. And I'm going to go very, very left field for our best on ground. Lewis Jetta had a very quiet game last week, but still, you know, uncorked a couple absolutely beautiful kicks through the middle of the field. He's such a weapon off the half back. Now, as I said, quite quiet last week, but he missed the previous game against Adelaide. So they haven't had a look at him this year. And I just wonder, maybe is this the time that he gets off the leash? He loves building into finals. He loves big games. Is this the sort of, you know, 20 touches and five, six, seven, eight clean inside 50s, some really damaging play from Lewis Jetta? So pencil him in this week for best on ground. I like your optimism. I like, I like that one. Alrighty, that will do it from us this week. It's, a, it's been a funny old week because, you know, we're all a bit down about only beating Carlton and now we're all fired up and ready to go and tear shreds off Adelaide. So fingers crossed that the week plays out this way. But, gents, it's been fantastic having you all on the pod. Asterix, thanks very much for coming on and sharing the knowledge with us. Cheers. Thank you, guys. KK, as always, fantastic to have you on the pod. Thanks for coming on this week. No problem. I think it's just that type of year where the, the excitement's building and when you're up to, the, up to your neck in a premiership tilt like we are, then... It's, it's, uh, it's a lot to get emotional about, ups and downs each week. Exciting times indeed. Last but certainly not least, MK Maddie, your 2019 debut. Give us a grade. How do you think the pod went tonight? And also, just on top of that, thanks very much for coming on. <laughs> no problem at all. Um, definitely an arrogant podcast. I would say A+. Plus. A plus for arrogance. I love it. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, look, as I said, it's been a big week. We've got another big week coming up. They're all going to be huge from here. But fingers crossed that the Eagles can get the job done this week. Thanks very much for listening. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to shoot them through to anybody on the pod. Chuck them in the thread. And any comments, any suggestions, just let us know. We will talk to you this time next week on the heels of a triumphant Eagles victory. Bye now. Bye. Bye. Bye.